0: Saturday, January the 8th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, Kazakhstan's president's shoot-to-kill order and Supreme Court vaccine mandate scepticism. First, the week in brief. America's Secretary of State questioned why Kazakhstan had requested Russian assistance to quell anti-government demonstrations. Quote, once Russians are in your house, it's sometimes very difficult to get them to leave, said Antony Blinken. Earlier, Kazakhstan's president ordered troops to, quote, shoot to kill without warning. Authorities in Almaty, the country's largest city, claim to have already killed dozens of protesters. A majority of justices on America's Supreme Court appeared skeptical of the Biden administration's requirement that large firms mandate vaccination or regular COVID 19 testing for employees. They seemed more sympathetic towards a separate mandate for healthcare workers at facilities that receive federal funding. The government plans to start penalizing non compliant firms on January 10th. Meanwhile, Citigroup, a big American bank, will reportedly fire unvaccinated staff by the end of the month. The three white men who chased and murdered Armand Arbery, a 25-year-old unarmed black man, in 2020 were sentenced to life in prison. Two do not have the possibility of parole. The judge said Arbery was, quote, hunted down and shot while jogging in Georgia. Before the trial in November, Arbery's father likened his son's death to a lynching. The jury agreed, convicting the killers of murder. Annual consumer price inflation in the euro area hit 5% in December, a record in the history of the single currency. Analysts had expected inflation to moderate, but predictions were confounded by surges in energy and food prices. The European Central Bank had been hoping that inflation rates would taper off early in 2022. Only 199,000 people joined payrolls in America in December as fear of the Omicron variant of COVID-19 continued to inspire hesitancy about returning to work. Economists had predicted that more than 400,000 jobs would be filled. The unemployment rate, however, stayed impressively low dropping by 0.3 percentage points to 3.9%. The Taliban asked for emergency humanitarian aid to be sent to Afghanistan after heavy snow and flooding. Abdul Ghani Baradar, the Deputy Prime Minister, said that the world had a duty to help Afghan people quote, without any political bias. The country's economy has been in turmoil since the Taliban seized control in August, which, combined with droughts, have created a food crisis. Sidney Poitier, the first black man to win an Academy Award for Best Actor, died aged 94. The Bahamian-American actor first wooed audiences in the American Negro Theatre in Harlem before gracing the screen. Mr Poitier's roles broke away from stereotypical portrayals of black characters, paving the way for newer generations to become leading men, not just butlers. And word of the week, whale, noun, a term used to describe the biggest spenders of the online gaming world, which originated in casinos. And now here's today's agenda. The BBC's defensive centenary year. What in the 21st century is Britain's public service broadcaster's purpose? Nearly half of Britons get their news from social media. Two-thirds of households pay for at least one streaming service. Conservative politicians who accuse the BBC of liberal bias want to trim their licence fee, the levy on television ownership that provides most of its income. A funding deal for the next five years is expected this month. As it celebrates its centenary in 2022, the BBC will remind viewers of its worth by highlighting its greatest hits. Expect specials of shows such as Strictly Come Dancing and Doctor Who, new dramas and reflections on a century of children's and comedy programming. Most pointed, however, is a three-part documentary series about, well, the Beeb. BBC, a very British history, will explore, quote, the corporation's role in major moments of political and cultural change, as well as, quote, how it continues to engage with the British people. Cheer returns to Netflix. Cheerleading typically conjures up images of pom-poms and exuberant dance routines. But Cheer, a hit Netflix documentary series that came out in 2020, shone a light on the grueling nature of the sport. It followed the squad at Navarro College in Texas as they prepared for a national championship, enduring immense pressure to master complex gymnastics. On Wednesday, it returns for a second season. Much of the focus is on cheerleading's physical toll. It is the most dangerous sport for female college athletes, accounting for 71% of serious injuries, disabilities and fatalities. But just as striking are the psychological strains on the team, the constant fear of injury, the pressure from their exacting head coach and the stress caused by their newfound fame. Season 2 continues in the same vein with forthcoming episodes tackling the arrest of one of the show's stars on charges of child pornography and soliciting sex from minors. He denies the charges. Cheerleading is not all stunts and high fives. Hedgehogs and superbugs The threat of antibiotic-resistant superbugs is common knowledge. Almost as well known is that the overuse of antibiotics spawns new drug-resistant bacteria. But some superbugs, it turns out, existed in nature before the discovery of antibiotics. Take methylacillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, MRSA, a notorious superbug. Until recently, a strain of it known as mexi mrsa was thought to have developed in antibiotic-treated dairy cows. But new research in nature has traced Mexi mrsa to the early 19th century. It developed in hedgehogs. A survey of these prickly creatures in Europe and New Zealand found that most carry Mexi mrsa bacteria on their skin. Many also harbour a penicillin-producing skin fungus. Scientists believe that Mexi mrsa evolved alongside this fungus, thereby attaining superbug status. Therein lies a thorny challenge for medicine. For every antibiotic nature provides, there are likely to be resistant bacterial strains lurking in animal reservoirs. Even in the cute ones. The African Cup of Nations As the world's biggest football clubs scour the globe for untapped talent, more African players are appearing at the sport's highest levels. Six from the continent made the Guardian's most recent rundown of the 100 best male footballers. Many others on the list have African heritage. That has raised the profile of the African Cup of Nations, which begins in Cameroon on Sunday. But AFCON's place in the calendar is not secure. FIFA, football's global governing body, is reviewing the international match schedule in its bid to hold the World Cup every two years. It wants AFCON to run between September and November and proposes extending an existing short break in the European club season to accommodate it and other international games. AFCON's organisers would prefer to hold the tournament outside the European season, yielding more media attention and fewer club versus country spats over the release of players. The bigger the tournament gets, the harder it will be to push around. Weekend Profile Rahina Barzilai, pioneer of AI and health When a new book on artificial intelligence, co-written by Henry Kissinger, hit the shelves in November, one of its main examples was research from 2020 that used AI to discover a new antibiotic. It works better than existing drugs because it attacks the bacteria in a novel way, to which they have not built up resistance. Behind the life-saving algorithm, Marahina Barzilai, a computer scientist at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, and a team of researchers. It is just one of several areas where she uses AI to improve medicine. Born in Moldova, Dr. Barzilai was educated in Israel and America and began her academic life in computational linguistics. She developed algorithms to classify new stories by theme and to summarise them but in 2014, in her mid-40s, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. After undergoing chemotherapy and lumpectomies at Massachusetts General Hospital, she was aware that just nearby in her academic department, technology existed that could have helped her and could save the lives of millions of women around the world. From that moment, she changed her research to focus on AI in healthcare, a MacArthur Genius Grant followed in 2017. Her work has made contributions to the field beyond antibiotics. In recent months, Dr. Barzilai, along with Adam Yala, a doctoral student at MIT, has been working to introduce an AI system called MIRAE, which can predict whether a patient is at risk of breast cancer within as much as five years. Having scanned thousands of mammograms, the AI is able to uncover subtle, intricate patterns that elude human eyes and cognition. If this technology is used in a uniform way, she says, we can identify early who are high-risk patients and intervene. The earlier the cancer is detected, the easier it is to treat it and the outcomes are much better, she says. The system she built might have benefited her. After her first mammogram, she was informed that she was healthy. Three years later, she was diagnosed with cancer. When she fed that early mammogram into Mireille, The AI indicated she had been at high risk. Too late to warn her, but Mire may alert many others. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Galileo Galilei, who died on this day in 1642. Two truths cannot contradict one another.